0: This is 100 Days of Dante, a podcast journey through Dante's divine comedy, one canto at a time. Join us online at 100daysofdante.com. Let's read together. Paradiso 5 concludes the first major sequence of Paradiso, that in the heaven of the moon. The concern of this sequence has been to establish the beauty and goodness of God's ordering of creation by exploring how we as God's creatures can and should participate in the beauty of God's design. The focal point of all of this in the heaven of the moon is, for Dante, the question of the will. How can the will be divided against itself? Is the will free? And if so, how should we best use our freedom? In our current canto, we're going to look at the integrity of the will as it relates to the making and keeping of religious vows. This discussion spirals off from Dante's encounter with Picarda, the nun who broke her religious vows, but nevertheless finds herself perfectly content and fulfilled in the blisses of paradise. So even though Dante's account of the will is morally exacting, we should remember that he chooses to develop his account of vow-making in the context not of a heroic saint, but of a fairly normal, inconsistent Christian who, despite not being able to keep her vows, nevertheless finds herself saved and fulfilled in the company of the saints of heaven. Dante gives us a narrative of how human frailty is no roadblock to divine mercy and grace. Salvation lies not in moral perfection, but in a will that's open and surrendered to God. So, what does Dante have to say about the making and breaking and keeping of vows? This may at first strike us as one of those parts of the comedy that is too enmeshed in Dante's medieval context to speak very powerfully to us today. But what's at stake in Dante's discussion of vows is the question of the will's freedom, very relevant for us today. The freedom of the will is part and parcel of what it means for us to be rational creatures, according to Dante. Not only that, but our freedom of will comes directly from God as God's most excellent gift to us as beatrice tells the pilgrim quote, "the greatest gift that god in his largesse gave to creation the most attuned to his goodness and that he accounts most dear was freedom of the will all creatures possessed of intellect all of them and they alone were and are so in doubt it is for this reason that dante insists that the freedom of the will is an essential aspect of what makes us persons but also what makes us the most like god For our freedom of will is, as Beatrice says, most attuned to God's goodness. Human and divine meet in the freedom of the will, rightly used. In Purgatorio, Dante was concerned to show us the will's freedom from sinful vices that imprison us, undermining our personhood and that of our neighbor. In Paradiso, however, Dante is concerned to show us what freedom is for, namely, for entering into the beauty of God's glory in ways that are specific. To our distinct identities as persons created by and for God. Given this, we can perhaps understand why Dante places such emphasis on the proper use of the will's freedom when it comes to making vows. Vows properly made are not bargaining chips we make to bribe God or to manipulate God's will in our favor. No, the making of a vow involves freely willing to surrender a dimension of our freedom for the sake of loving service to God. Dante recognizes that there's power in the making of a vow because it involves making a promise to God that God accepts. And by accepting, God honors our dignity as persons by accepting the free sacrifice of our freedom. Dante warns Christians that they should not make vows flippantly or without consideration of what it may cost them to honor the promises they have made. And so Dante has Beatrice speak directly to us as readers. Be more grave, Christians, in your endeavors. Do not resemble feathers in the wind, nor think that any sort of water has the power to wash you clean. You have the testaments, both new and old, and the shepherd of the church to guide you. Let these suffice for your salvation. In other words, salvation is not part of a heavenly exchange economy, In which vows are the necessary prerequisite. Because they are not necessary for salvation and because of the power associated with them, Christians should not make vows out of a sense of obligation or superstition or self-interested motivation, but as in Robin Kirkpatrick's language, the quote supreme act of freedom in which they share their vows in the economy of divine generosity. Christian vow making shares in God's own character as the giver of gifts. And we use the gift of free will to give back to God. We can see why someone might want to take on vows. What happens, though, when someone takes on a vow that they cannot keep? Or when our desire to share in the beauty of God's generosity outstrips our ability to fulfill what we've promised? Dante's answer to this is both demanding and merciful. Dante says that a vow is a consensual contract between God and the human person, and once established, the vow cannot be broken. But Dante goes on to distinguish between two aspects of a vow that which is promised and the pact itself. The pact is the free sacrifice of freedom. This is what can never be erased. Once we've given God our freedom, we can't walk it back. A vow is not made with crossed fingers and toes. But what is promised? may be substituted, as long as the substitution is proportionally more rigorous than the initial promise. This is what turns the two keys referenced in line 57, the keys of heavenly justice and of heavenly mercy. And so we have here a scene where the interplay of justice and mercy leads not to the condemnation, but to the salvation and the perfection of the human person. What's striking about this discussion of the nature of the will's freedom and the morality of making vows is that it is bookended by two scenes of the exuberant intellectual celebration of heavenly love. The canto opens with Dante blinded by Beatrice's beauty, which, quote, flames with the heat of love, end quote. Here one recalls, by way of contrast, the passionate love of Francesca and Paolo in Inferno five. The canto ends with Dante surrounded by the souls of the next heaven, Mercury, who are, quote, on fire with the light that fills all heaven, end quote. They celebrate Dante's presence among them as the one who will increase their loves. Framing the technical discussion on vows and the will with these celebratory outbursts of love is a discerning move on Dante's part. For Dante, love is the activity of the will, and love is rightly ordered when the will wills in conformity with the highest good, which of course is God. The goal of Canto V is not simply the intellectual exercise of trying to grasp the morality of vow-making. It is rather to attune the will's freedom towards the highest good of God's charity as it comes to us as God's generous gift of freedom. Dante increases the loves of the souls in Mercury not simply because he understands concepts and doctrines more accurately, but because he has been attuned more perfectly to the music of the heavens, the great hymn of love to the Father of lights, from whom every good and perfect gift proceeds. And so, as with most things in Dante's comedy, his reflections on a very particular topic specific to his immediate context and concerns opens up to us in 2022, asking us to consider how we might use our precious gift of freedom, enter into the beauty of God's order, and to increase the loves of those saints, and saints in the making, whom we meet each day. Thank you for reading Dante's Divine Comedy with us. Continue the journey at 100daysofdante.com. 100 Days of Dante is brought to you by the Baylor University Honors College with support from the Tory Honors College at Biola University, the Templeton Honors College at Eastern University, the University of Dallas, Whitworth University, and Gonzaga University in Florence.